You need someone uh, to explain to you the elementary principles of the actual words of God. So, so I take that to, to mean is that, look, a lot of people say, well, God said this, God says that, and God this, God that. But he's saying, but do you, act, do you know the actual words of God? And do you know how he actually said it? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Salty Pastor Podcast, a podcast that focuses on coaching you in the growth of your faith. Our world is struggling to find peace in the midst of all this chaos, direction in the midst of all this aimlessness, and purpose in the midst of no meaning. We are challenging everyone to take time to think about the point and purpose of your life. Then you will know what you believe and why you believe it. This leads to a stronger faith, that it, and that is how you find peace, hope, and love in this world. My name is Jesse Mayer. I'm using my extra deep voice today <laughs> and uh we can't do this without the one the only dr douglas peak the salty pastor himself welcome jesse i'm so glad i'm with all of you today i know i'm gonna bury manilow here in a minute i'm i'm finding a little something but uh i wanted to make sure we had these episodes for thanksgiving this is so. johnny cash uh, podcast yes well, it's good to be here with you. I'm glad. I'm sorry you have a little bit of a cold. And you're a little under the weather, but I got it from my wife. She yeah. Gave it after to you me. got married. Oh, did married. you hear that? I got it from my wife. Wife. How we does that roll share, off the tongue? We now share everything, including <laughs> illnesses. Apparently, yes. That's why in your vows you say for for sickness Sicker and in, in health. health yes. That's right. We're in the sickness right now. And but then for richer or for poorer. Yes. And you you want to move from the poorer to the richer Ideally. as soon as possible, and also sickness to the health, health as, soon as, as quickly possible. as possible. Yes. <laughs> but yes, had my wedding. It was f fabulous. Sweet. Loved it. And uh, glad to be back. We're excited. Well, we're proud of you. We're excited for you. And we uh, just think you have chosen a lovely young lady. Yes, she is wonderful. Much better than I deserve, but very excited. Good, so. good. I'm so happy. All right. Well, over the last few weeks, we've been gaining a big picture view of the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. And it's it's not possible to understand the kingdom of God on a large scale unless you become deeply aware that there is a spiritual war going on every day mm -hmm. in our lives. So our focus has really been studying the passages in the Bible that address this spiritual war and how we are to fight it. Mm -hmm. And last week you showed us that discipleship is the primary way in which we fight this spiritual war. Yes. And in this final week of our series, Kingdom Come, what is the key to winning all fronts of this war between the kingdoms? The spiritual battlefront, the ideological battlefront, and even the material battlefront? Well, I think the most important thing a person who is a Christian is, is that you grow in your faith. That is the best way for us to fight this battle on every front, okay? Okay. Uh, spiritual strength is critical for so many different things. And so we're going to study the passages that... that directly address this issue of maturity. And the first one I want to take us to is in Hebrews chapter five. And there's not a lot of study in the book of Hebrews. Uh, and one of the reasons why I think is because the author wrote the book of Hebrews to a bunch of Jewish Christians living in the city of Jerusalem while it was under siege for three and a half years by the Roman empire. Okay. And so it took three and a half years. They besieged the city, and then they eventually destroyed the city. 
And what's interesting is, is that because of that, the, there's a lot of comparisons between the old Jewish sacrifices and then how Jesus is a sacrifice and the mediator. So there's a lot of this. There's a lot of niche uh, yeah. phrases and stuff that are kind of really focused on their particular situation, situation yeah. at the time and what their particular knowledge And if was. you're super Jewish, it makes tons of sense. But, but since we're super Gentiles, <laughs> <laughs> but there's a lot of really great nuggets in there. And, and one of them is about uh, this notion of maturity. And listen to what he says in chapter five. He says, now concerning him, we have much to say. So concerning Jesus, we have much to say, but it's difficult to explain since you've become poor listeners. So he kind of starts off with <laughs> a little shade. Yeah, just a little bit. He goes for Though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the actual words of God. And you have to come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unacquainted with the word of righteousness, for he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature, who because of practice have their senses trained to distinguish between good and evil. So here, here's exactly what he's talking about, the biblical principles, okay? He says, I, I am unable to understand the more important things of God when I think like an infant. Our, our world today is so juvenile in its thinking, and in many of our churches, the, 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 the thinking of so many Christians is juvenile. Uh, the average message preached today is designed to target someone with an eighth grade education or mind and an eighth grader's attention span. And so this is what they're teaching in seminaries, and that's not a good thing, mm -hmm. right? And, and one reason why Foothills is not what I call, you know, a mega, mega church with thousands of people coming out is because our mission is to grow people stronger in their faith. And so what we do is we try to go out and find people who have yet to meet Jesus. We want to introduce them to Christ. But then what we do is we try to give them a balanced diet on a Sunday morning by studying the scriptures. And a lot of people are like, well, I, you know, I just need something more fluffier. And one of our mottos is fluff is not enough. Right. And especially when things like like when COVID hit, that became a huge deal for people. And when we're facing all of this rise in Islamic terrorism and and assaults on nations and invasions and war, we start to think, wow, maybe fluff isn't enough. We need mm. to be, you know, wiser and more mature. So uh, our goal as a mission in church is to coach people up to maturity. And what we try to do is focus on discipleship. Uh, immaturity, he says, makes you a poor listener. He says, look, I have much to teach you, but you are a poor listener and you're making it difficult. So when I'm an immature person, I'm a poor listener. You know this if you've parented children, you know. This is why parents say the same thing over and over and over and over again because, you know, they feel like their children aren't hearing them, you know. Right. You know, pick up your socks, pick up your socks, pick up your socks. And so th there's this issue is that when you're immature, you become a poor listener. And that really translates over into your faith. And I think every listener of this podcast should consider that if I'm, in, um, if I'm immature, I'm a poor listener, I am unable to hear what Jesus is saying, what Jesus is trying to teach me. 
so in, immaturity creates really poor listening skills. I, I guarantee you this is a truth across the board. It's not only with Christ and your faith, but it's with your spouse, right? Mm. If you're immature and you're going to have poor listening skills with your, if you're at work, you're going to have poor listening skills, right? If you're immature. So the key, key is, is try to grow up and mature. And all it takes is a little time. Notice how he says this. He goes, by this time, you should be teachers. So what he's saying is it doesn't take a lot of time. It only takes a little time. But what he does is, is he's saying in that time, you should have already matured, but you haven't. Mm. You see, so I would, I would extrapolate this out and say, look, if you've been a follower of Jesus for more than five years and you're still an infant in your faith, that's on you. Right. That's, that's not on the church. That's not on the way you were treated by other Christians. It's not on Jesus or God. It's on you. You should be by this time, five years in, you know, a teacher, but you're still an infant. So that's all on you. And he goes on to say this immaturity in faith, a weak faith creates a misunderstanding when it comes to the word of God. Notice how he says that you, you need someone, uh, to explain to you the elementary principles of the actual words of God. So, so I take that to, to mean is that, look, a lot of people say, well, God said this, God says that, and God this, God that. But he's saying, but do you, act, do you know the actual words of God? And do you know how he actually said it? Right. Right. How it's actually recorded. And so he's making this very important argument that says uh, a weak faith creates misunderstanding. So when I read the Bible or when I, I look at, I, I misunderstand it. And, and misunderstanding of what Jesus said and wrote causes all kinds of problems for people today. You need to be taught, once again, the actual words of God. And so that's not good. It's not possible to reconcile, and this is how it plays out. It's, uh, let me I'm, I get ahead of myself sometimes. This is the way it impacts your life. It's not possible to reconcile the notion of loving people from other faiths and at the same time protecting your family and defending your own faith. You see, what happens is if you're immature, you, you don't understand how to do both, right? Um, it's like this. It's like if you're immature and you have kids, you don't know how to love your kids and be disciplined with them, right? Because discipline to you comes across as mean or I didn't like it when my parents did it. Okay, you're immature, mm. right? And what you end up doing is robbing your children of a future because you're too immature to actually employ discipline in their lives, you know, and that's why they grow up and they resent you. <laughs> so that's a really important part is that the way we grow to maturity is through this practice, this period of time and training. And what are we training to do? He says, train our senses to discern good from evil. So all of this is a part of if I'm immature and I'm not growing and I'm not training myself, guess what? I am not doing myself any favors. Yeah, I think um, your your kind of your third point you brought up, where or your fourth point where you were talking about you you have uh, immaturity 
allows for misunderstandings when it comes yes. to the word of God. It reminds me of like anytime you start really studying a, a subject of anything, you kind of hit this point, and I can't remember what the terminology is. You or Pastor Harv probably know this, but you get to a point of understanding that you then understand how much you don't know. Yes. Which then allows you, like that's one level of like, uh, not even certification, but like mastery is once you get to a certain level, you realize how much you don't know, mm -hmm. which then allows you to go, okay, now I know what I actually need to go study to really get to where I need to go, right? right? Yeah. But up to that mm -hmm. point, you think you're just like, oh man, I really know how to do all these things. Like this yeah. is kind of how it's been for me <laughs> learning how to do networking. At first I was like, oh, I'm doing so good. And then I kind of get through my first layer of stuff and then I go, oh, there's so much I do not <laughs> I understand. Do not and I feel like when you're really diving in uh, to your faith and mm -hmm. really understanding the yeah. God's word, you, you're like, oh yeah, I totally get what that verse says. But even just doing Salty Pastor with you, I'll go through a verse with you and I'm like, oh, I totally know what this verse is about. Then you go through it and do some exegesis on it. I'm like, I have no <laughs> idea what this is talking about. Yeah. And I think that's yeah. where the maturity comes in is when you can admit, I don't know. You're right. And that there is a lot I need to learn. And, and that assumption that you do know everything or that, oh, I've got it all figured out. Mm -hmm. I think that's a faith that is really per, uh, prevalent in the world yeah. these days yes. is these, these soft faith Christians going, yeah. Oh, I've got it all figured out. Jesus yeah. loves me no matter what. And I just like show up on Christmas and Easter, maybe a couple Sundays yeah. and I'm good. I'm covered. Right. Yeah. And it's so like, Paul says, making confident assertions about which, you know, nothing. Yes. And so I think that is super important of like realizing you have so much to grow. There's so much to do. And yeah. it's a lifelong, I think back journey, to, man. I think back to Herb, um, a member of our yeah. church forever. And yeah. he, he passed away a year, year and a half ago. And he one of during his interview that I had conducted with him and your wife helped with, he talked about I've been working on my faith since I was fifteen and he was like ninety eight when he died. And yeah. he's like, I'm still working on it to this day. He's like, I'm ready to go see Jesus. Yeah. But I'm gonna keep working on my faith each and every day. He didn't opt out to stop going to small groups or doing Bible studies, even at age 98, he was still doing that because he realized yeah. there's still things to learn. And I think that level of maturity in him of saying, I can continue learning about God and who he is and what he says for my entire life and still not completely understand it. Mm -hmm. I think that's a level of maturity we all need to be pursuing. Amen to that, brother. And that's what he's talking about in that verse. So how do we train? You kind of mentioned this idea of like, we need to train up our faith, right? Like you would at the gym. So what gym membership do we need to get to, uh, to uh, grow our faith? Well, I think one of the things that is important to understand is that, you know, in our culture and society, uh, we it was originally established on the philosophical tenets of modernism or modernity. And in modernity, the basic thing, the basic unspoken premise of everything is to know is to do. So like in school and everything else, they used to focus on, well, we're just going to pump your head full of all this knowledge and then that's going to turn you into a good person and stuff. But really, the Bible has a little bit different perspective. And that is, is cause it says knowledge just puffs you up, but love builds you up. Mm. So it's the issue of discipleship. And, and so discipleship combines knowledge with doing in a relational context. So it's those three elements together. And this is what makes parenting so powerful, right? In the same way with your faith. And this is what grows you. And so you have to participate in the process and actually like go to a gym. Like to, if you want to go to a gym, you know, you're going to have, if you're out of shape and you want to get into shape, what is the minimum amount of times you need to go to a gym and work out? I mean, at least three to four, probably. A yeah, week. three, four times a week, you know. But if you want to grow your faith, you know, all it takes is, 
one hour a week of meeting and discipleship with somebody, you know, and then, of course, there's other days of devotions and things, but really, you know, you don't have to go anywhere except for once a week and meet with somebody and build right. this relationship. But notice, notice what I, I'm a, a little book most people don't, you know, hear much from is the book of Philemon. And it's just a very short letter that Paul wrote to uh, Philemon, who owned a slave by the name of Onesimus. And then what happened uh, is that Onesimus ran away and came and met Paul. And then Paul converted him to Christ. And then Paul says to him, hey, Owen, you got to go home. And so he writes a letter to the slave master and says, I'm sending him back to you as a believer, so treat him justly. So it's just a very short letter. But it's really interesting. In verse 6, it says this. It's only one chapter long. He goes, and I pray that the fellowship of your faith may become effective through the knowledge of every good thing which is in you for the sake of Christ. So what's really interesting is the word fellowship is a Greek word koinonia, which has a lot of meaning to the first century person who spoke Greek. Uh, It's not, you know, like you say, hey, I pray that through the sharing of your faith or giving of your faith, we we have this kind of idea that, oh, I'm giving you something. You know, it's just a transfer of information or it's a transfer of a service. I'm just giving you something. But that's not what the word koinonia actually means. What it is, is it's more like I am making a contribution, a building block to your life. So that's why it says the church is supposed to come together and build one another up in love. That is called fellowship or koinonia. Okay. So it's our time together and it's just not to get together and slam a few beers and throw axes and make jokes. It's also to, you know, really, hey, you know, I'm here to build you up in your life life and so you're fellowshipping and he says this so when you share your faith guess what you come to a more in-depth understanding of everything that you have in christ so every good thing you have in christ comes into existence while you're sharing your faith there is a direct causal link between sharing your faith and you growing to maturity of every good thing that you have in Christ. So if I'm if I'm understanding you correctly, when you go out and are are you saying sharing your faith in like a fellowship, like a small group setting or a discipleship, or you're talking about evangelism and going out and and trying to reach someone who has is lost? Reaching? Well, I think I I mean it's basically both and. both and because the thing is is that you know, standing on a street corner and wear a sandwich sign that says hell is near, turn or burn, that's not sharing your faith, right? right? That's fear tactics. Yeah, that is not sharing faith, you know. But if you're in a small group, if you're in discipleship, or you're you're hanging out with coworkers, or you're over-raking la- uh, uh, leaves. Raking leaves with your neighbors, or you're doing various stuff like that, that's called, you're building a relationship for the purpose of sharing your faith. That's called koinonia. Okay. So that fellowship and what you're saying is when you do that, when you're, you know, basically pouring into someone, donating love and, mm-hmm. and, and sharing your faith with them, it forces you to grow. Your that pouring out will grow your own faith. To maturity. Because and I and I'm gonna uh, kind of go out on a limb here, but like the idea of one, you're you're you can't it's similar to whenever i don't understand something i try to start teaching someone else what i'm learning Mm -hmm. because then it forces me to 
be able to understand it more in order to teach someone else. So if one of my um, assistants is working on a video and, I, and they're like, well, how do you do this? I have to learn how to say the words in a way that they can understand how to do the thing. And that grows my ability in that project as well. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like our faith journey is the same of if you can be sharing what God's doing in your life, if you're sharing the perspective of how he's transformed you, if you're, if you're sharing all the good things that are happening in your life, or even some of the bad things that God's Correct. helping you with, yes, it gives you, it forces you to be able to verbalize that, which then gives you even more perspective and even more things to be grateful for, which then you know, it's cyclical, right? Like you're, yeah. And it also kind of a deep, what it does is it clarifies your mind. Like, let's say, you know, using your illustration, you have, uh, an intern or something that needs to do something right. And you're say, well, I need you to pan the camera at this tempo because it's not, you know, or this, you, you, you use really technical detailed stuff and the person is just not getting it. And so what people don't understand is that your brain actually then will reorganize the information. And what you'll do is you'll go, the reason they're not getting it is because they don't understand the why behind it. Yes. Okay. So what you do is you back up, right? Yeah, and you, you say, okay, what we want to do is there's a person watching this, you know, and we want, we don't want them to get, you know, motion sickness or anything. Yes. And so then, oh, okay. So that dictates how quickly I pan the yes. camera or zoom the camera, right? Exactly. So you're teaching the why behind it. And that's exactly when you share your faith. Guess what? You go back and then, you know, well, this is what I believe and why I believe it. Well, and you even see that, like, because even that initial feedback of I'll, I'll be explaining a concept to somebody, mm -hmm. whether it's faith-based or technical-based, and you can kind of see their eyes glaze over yeah. or they kind of give you the, like, I don't, I don't understand. Yeah. Which then you go, okay, either I'm explaining it poorly or they don't understand the why, right? And mm -hmm. so then you do have to kind of be like, okay, well, let me rephrase this and, and start giving you a better understanding and, and your face the same way. It's like, Oh, well we do this. You know, we take communion. Well, why? Why? Right. Yeah. <laughs> why do you do that? Like, what's the point of it? And then you have mm -hmm. to go, well, I guess, you know, especially me growing up in the church, you go back and you're like, I mean, I guess I've just always done it, but when I really think about it, this is what it means to me. Mm -hmm. And then you've now clarified that, which then you go, Oh, now I'm, when I take it, I'm probably going to mm -hmm. think, about that aspect rather than, oh, I'm just doing a thing now. Yeah, and so it, you, you always do that initially, right? This is what it means to me. You personalize it, but then you go to the next step because you're saying, I need you to do it for you, and this is, and this is what it means to the church, and yeah. this is what it means to reality, and this, this is what it means to our confession to the world. Mm. So you see how you keep backing yes. up, and you get back to these massive foundations of the faith. All because you started to do it. I just want to share my faith with somebody. Right. And so that's why it grows you to maturity. Okay. Well, talk to me a little bit. There's there's so many people basically conditioned at this point not to share their faith, right? Yes. Like they don't want to be offensive or rude or off-putting. I mean, we're coming up on Thanksgiving this week. There's always the joke of the th two things you don't talk about at the Thanksgiving table, <laughs> politics and religion, religion, right? So it's like that's a real thing happening right now. But if we want to grow in maturity, then we need to really overcome this, this hindrance or fear of mm -hmm. our faith. So can you give us some ways to best ways to do that? Well, um, uh, I can't, but the Bible does. So let's okay. there. I think that's, that's the best option. <laughs> that's the best option. You know, uh, the apostle Peter in his first letter to the church in chapter four, verse seven, he says the following, the end of all things is near. I don't know. Do some of you feel like the end of all things is near? The, the world's certainly on fire right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At least it's, it's, a, it's a dumpster fire in the middle of a flood going down a river, if nothing else. 
But uh, he says, the end of all things is near, therefore. So when things are really bad and things aren't going well, he says, therefore, be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. So he says, look, what you need to do is have sound judgment and sober spirit. That's called maturity in faith. It's called strength of faith. No panicking and screaming, running down the street in fear and anxiety. Yes, exactly. You can't do that. My life is falling apart. You know, chicken little run around the sky is falling. He goes, above all, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. So he brings us back. What's the whole point of following Christ? It's to love God and help love other people, love, even love myself. He says, be hospitable to one another without complaint. And then this is verse 10 is where he says, this is how you train. Okay. He says, as each one of you has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards or good managers of the manifold or multifaceted grace of God. So sound judgment and sober spirit are signs of maturity. Fervent in love is super great phrase because it tells us that the sign of maturity is not more knowledge, but more what? Love, right? Because knowledge puffs up, but love builds up, pulls you towards maturity. So we need more love because it covers mistakes, flaws, and failures, and idiosyncrasies between people and in relationships. And then the final thing he says is this, you've received a special gift. You have a special gift. This is a gift given to you by God through the power of the Holy Spirit that is unique to you. It's special, meaning it. They, once it's given to you, the mold is broke. Now, yours may reflect somebody else's, right? Uh, it may come from the same strain, so to speak. But your unique flavor, your unique personality, there's only one of you. And so be the you. Everybody else is taken, right? So right. be you. And... I think what's really important about that is you have been given this gift by God, right? And he says, there's a purpose for it. And that is to serve others. And when you use it to serve others, right? Something happens to you. And what does he says? He says, you become a manager or a better way to phrase it is you become the conduit, you know, like a big uh, hose, like a not a garden hose, but like a fire hose of the grace of God. And it's the grace of God that does what? It's the grace of God that convicts the world of its sin. It's the grace of God that redeems people. It's the grace of God that restores people. It's the grace of God that heals people. It's the grace of God that gives people meaning and purpose in life. It's the grace of God that sustains people in their difficult times. It's the grace of God that lifts them up and encourages them. It gives them new direction. It tells them where to go and guidance. I mean, I could just keep going and going and going. And the only way that so many people experience that is when you use your special gift as a conduit for the manifold or multifaceted grace of God. So therefore, the way you train yourself to maturity is you use the gift God gave you. So, I mean, getting that, that 
correct training form. I mean, when I was doing physical therapy or even now I, I work out with your eldest son, when we're working out, we want to make sure we're working out the correct way, correct form. We're training the Good correct form. For way. Otherwise you develop imbalances or you're going to put yourself in a position where you hurt yourself. And I think we have to kind of, you never really, again, when we think about our faith, we never think about this in the same way we think about the rest of our body, right? Like we, we work out our body. We have to focus on these things. We have to do it regularly. We have to be focused on it. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't just grow by itself. Similar Correct. to our muscles don't just grow by themselves without us applying pressure and working on them. So um, you have to think about training your spiritual walk and your faith the same way as you train your body. There has to be a specific way to do it. You need to focus on certain aspects of it. You don't just say a prayer every morning and then that's the end of the thing. Like, right? like there's, there's parts and pieces to do it. So why is it so important for our individual faith that we follow this specific training path? What is the end goal of it? Have you ever, have you ever heard that phrase, you know, when you do what you love, you never work a day in your life? Yes. Yeah. And the, the, the theory behind that is, man, I, I am, I, I would do this, you know, whether I got paid for it or not, I just love doing it. You know, you look at some people who, you know, maybe, maybe they're chefs and they just love to cook. Right. And they, they cook, cook. The problem is, is that some chefs get burned out. Right. right? And then you look at somebody who loves to sing and do music, right? And they go, wow, I would, I love to sing, man. And when I'm singing, I'm not working, but some musicians get what? Burned, Burned out. out. Now I could just go down the list, everything right. from technical to programming to right. running. Why is that? Well, the reason why is because when your gift gets monetized, right? Then you have, it becomes a job. job. And so what, what the reason we need to pursue this is because there's no cookie cutter way to produce a disciple, right? And so what happens is when you do what you're gifted to do, you're not working, you're growing. Mm. You see, that's what's the critical point here is then when you grow, the whole kingdom of God grows. The Great Commission that we talked to preached on last Sunday where Jesus said all authority under heaven and earth has been given unto me. Go therefore baptizing them, go therefore and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the father, the son and the Holy spirit and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. So that commission go and make disciples is not just for pastors. It's not just for elders, right? It's for who? every single person who's following Christ. So when you do what you're gifted to do, you grow. And guess what? You are not forcing yourself to be something you're not, right? Yeah. And so that's what's critical is you have to understand what is my gift? What does I love to do? And when you start using your gift, guess what? You have to do it. You just do it. You, you know what I'm saying? You just do it. Like for me, uh, a lot of times I'm, I'll, I'll be talking to my wife or I'll be talking to my kids or I'll be talking to friends and they'll go, okay, pastor, you can stop preaching now. Yeah. You just naturally fall into it. Right. And so, yeah, I, I just started to, <laughs> blah, 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 you know, this and this, and this people are like, okay, all right, okay. You can stop preaching now. Sometimes one of my kids go, should I take an offering now, dad? <laughs> Okay, I'll be quiet. But you see what I'm saying is like when whatever your gift is, right? 
you fall into it naturally. And so, but that's how you grow to maturity as well. Is the more you use it, the more you, you're manifesting the grace of God through you to other people, the more mature you grow. And so mm. it's it just, it, it's an incredible thing. If you don't participate, then you're in this gift. If you don't participate in growing your faith, you will always be an infant needing only milk and you were made for so much more. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Pastor, so much for sharing all this with us. Thank you for um, teaching us kind of our training path and well, having helping us read the scripture so we know what our training path yeah, is. There you go. Um, to grow strong in our faith and that in turn helps the kingdom grow, which helps us grow and it's just cyclical, right? And what, that's yes. what's really cool. And what um, I've heard you kind of be talking about the last two weeks is, you know, when one grows, the other grows and it kind of just bounces back and forth and it gets exponential. So um, that's really amazing. Thank you guys so much for joining us and we'll see you on Thursday. A special uh, Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving episode of the Salty Pastor Podcast. Mm -hmm. We'll see you then. Blessings. Thank you.